Welcome to Wisdom from the Word of God, the Bible teaching ministry of Pastor Owen Butler, endeavoring to reconnect people with God. Hello, podcast family, and welcome to another um, lesson on our series of lessons from the book of Genesis. Today, we're going to spend our time starting at verse 26 of chapter 1 of Genesis. The first verse that we are to unpack will be verse 26, and it reads, And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. It is in verse 26 where we see the word God. We have been talking about God from the Old Testament perspective of the many one, the veiled God that we could not see his Trinitarian attributes. Because what we mistakenly do sometimes, because we have the New Testament and the understanding of the Trinity of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, sometimes we try to impose that information on the Old Testament. But if you really get it in this context, you realize from a historical, grammatical, and from a cultural perspective, that the reality of a Trinitarian God had not been revealed to the Old Testament Hebrew. So, what we find this word is Elohim. Elohim, we talked about that as being God, the many one. But today I want to um, explore some other ideas from theologians as well. One of the ideas is the idea of a plural of majesty. It is the idea of the majesty of God being uh, referred to from a plural perspective. Um, one of the examples that is made by uh, commentators of, the, of our Sunday school um, curriculum, it talks about a statement that Queen Victoria made when listening to one who was supposed to be giving a story or a storyteller that was supposed to bring about some laughter and that Queen Victoria said, we are not amused. She was referring to herself, but yet in a plural form. So, therefore, the plural of majesty or the idea of that when God said, let us make man, he was talking with the angelic host as well. Well, some of that stuff doesn't quite fly um, for reasons that become apparent that the angels did not create us. And uh, they are creations of themselves. So I'm not sure why God would talk to them and consult with them about creating man. And then the idea of the plural majesty or what's called the honorific plurality or the honorific plural that is a plausible um, 
idea as well. But I would like to present once again another idea here. It is the idea that even in the Old Testament, there was a hint to multiple persons in the Godhead. Some theologians said in the Old Testament that that was not available, but I contend that it was. Um, one of the places that we can see this is if we go to the Psalms and we go to the book of Psalms, Psalm 2. In Psalm 2, um, the writer talks about that the kings of the earth was trying to rail, if you will, against the Lord and his anointed as two separate individuals and that God said of the Lord and he called him, he said, and I will put my king on my holy hill of Zion. He talks about him being my son, my only begotten. But he's talking about a subject-object distinction, which then sets apart two different persons, the, the person of the subject Lord, and then my son, and then the subject of the Lord, and then the anointed, the subject of the Lord, and then my king. It is a subject-object distinction that points to a, a plurality of person yet one God, because the same idea is both of these are not human. None of one, none or the other, one or the other is not human, but they're of God. So they have the same attributes which makes them one in essence, but then multiple in person. So the Old Testament does allude to the idea of having multiple persons in the Godhead, if you will. Amen. The Lord created heaven and earth and the spirit of the Lord was over the waters. We see a subject object distinction. We have the separate of persons, even in the Old Testament, but it does not give us the clarity that the New Testament does as it relates to the Trinitarian view or the three persons of the Godhead. So we have those views in, in yet Elohim. Amen. Uh, the universal God, the idea of the God of the creation of all things. That is going to be very important to um, think about when we reach into the next um, study where we start to put together the name Yahweh with the name Elohim. We take a proper noun now and then um, alongside it we have a regular noun which is Elohim. But we'll study that and talk about that further in the next lesson. But for now, we're looking at God as Elohim that said, let us make man in our own image and in our after our likeness. There is some uh, unique things that God has put into his crowning creation called man. And those are things that no other being, if you will, that has been created has that man has. And this speaks to our intellectual, volitional, moral, creative, and religious capacities that animals do not have. Even smart as some monkeys are, and, and of those of that species, they do not have all of these attributes that we have. Amen. We are still the 
a supreme group from that perspective. We have more of God's likeness and his creative ability and things of that that has been endowed with us, amen, that the animal kingdom does not have. But also, in the in the image of God and then after his likeness, it speaks also of the relationship of God as it relates to us being servants in, in fellowship. In other words, in our fellowship in this world, we are servants of the most high God, but we are also, from the perspective, we are also those who are, in terms of dominion, in stewardship. Because God says, he says, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and the cattle and all of these things and the creepy things and all of this that we have been given responsibility and control over the creation. But in that, we are not owners of the creation, but we are only stewards of the creation. That we are to care for this, and there's coming a time when we must give an account of our stewardship. God has given us unique abilities and position to control and subdue the earth, but not to take it as our own and do it with, with it what we wish, but what God wishes us to do with it. And there's coming a time that we've got to give an account for our stewardship. Amen. Anytime you have control, you also have responsibility. Amen. So we look at our text and we go on to say verse 27. So God, that's Elohim, the universal God, the creator of all things, created man in his own image. And in the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. Uh, the totality of man is just not the male, but also the female as well. It is mankind that is being referred to in this text. Also, we see as we look at verse 28, and God blessed them, and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. The first command that he made to mankind was to be fruitful and multiply. Remember in our subsequent or our past lessons that God is a God of procreation. God is a God of multiplication. God is a God of regeneration, rejuvenation. He's that kind of God. And look at the command. He tells man to be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. God, man is part of the system that God has created to create a perpetualness in creation. God intended this earth to continue on perpetually before the fall. Amen. He gives command that we will continue to replenish the earth. He said, and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. God has given man some work to do. Amen. He's given him dominion and control but also responsibility, amen, and accountability, amen, for that if things need to be managed and things need to be kept tidy, amen, and things need to be shaped and formed and directed, God gave man that ability. As things grow, that man would, 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 would then 
cultivate it and nourish it and nurture it so that it would grow and it would be all that God wants it to be. So God now brings man into the picture as being an agent of the Lord to bring about what he desires in creation. He could do it all himself, but he has blessed man to be part of the creative process in that man now has the ability to dominate or if you will, have dominion over, control over, and subdue, not for the purposes of ownership and misusing, but of stewardship and giving a great account and responsibility to keep God's creation. So man can't do just anything he wants to do with God's creation and get away with it. So all of the things that are going on today that are that that we misuse our planet and we misuse the things that God has given us to have dominion over, we must give an account of our stewardship someday. Uh, now we go on a little bit further to verses 29 and 30. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed, which is upon the face of all the earth and every tree, in which is the fruit of tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat. And to every beast of the earth, and to every fowl of the air, and to every thing that creepeth upon the earth, wherein there is life. I have given every green herb for meat, and it was so. There is something interesting that we see here in this text of God's provision prior to the fall of man. It's that what God gave for eating was the vegetation, the herb-bearing seed, and the tree-yielding seed, and yielding fruit. Those were the things that it shall be for meat. This word meat could be translated food. So for our sustenance and sustenance would be the fruit of the trees and also the the fruit that are that bear from the herbs. Amen. So at this point we are not given meat to eat. However, later in a subsequent chapter, then meat is then given to us after the fall. You'll find that in chapter 9 of Genesis. But at this point, everybody was eating vegetation. Amen. All of the animals and all of the all of the uh, creation, including man, was eating vegetation or eating plants and tree, fruit from trees. That's interesting. But things changed dramatically after the fall. But once again, we see God's position for man to still have dominion and have responsibility over God's creation. Now we go on a little bit further here and we're going to end here and we will get a subsequent lesson as we transition to chapter 2. Verse 31 says, And God saw everything that he had made and behold it was very good and the evening and the morning were the sixth day so we see it is on the sixth day in which God created man it is on this day that God completed his handiwork as it relates to the creation 
of what we see as our world today. And Elohim, the universal God that has universal power and creation over everything, saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. Before the fall of man, everything that God had created was very good because everything was working the way it ought to work. Man was being in the position of dominion and he was subduing the earth in the way God intended. He was not misusing the world. He understood his position as steward. He understood that he would have to give an account of his stewardship to God, that he was not the owner, but he was a steward of all that God had given him to take care of. He also understood that he was a servant of the Lord in fellowship with God, that he would get his commandment on how to maintain and how to deal with the issues of this world from the maker. Oh, it was all good then. Amen. Everybody was in order. The lion could lay down with the lamb. Amen. Man was not misusing and abusing God's world. Everything was good. And in that time, God said it was very good. And the evening and the morning was the sixth day. We're going to stop here because at this point we have dealt with the high level overview, if you will, of creation. And now as we um, enter into chapter two, um, God will talk about his resting from his labors, but then come back and then start to dig into the detail, if you will, of his creation. He will then kind of uh, bring things in some from the macro to the micro level, if you will, and start to dig into some specifics and detail about his creation. Thank you once again for listening. And if you are enjoying these lessons, please um, go out to iTunes and rate it. Please go out there and give it a five-star rating because if you rate these podcasts, it will give it better visibility so others can find it as well. And once again, thank you so much and look forward to speaking with you one more time and teaching in our next lesson.